Welcome to You're Making It Worse. I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Uh, Meh. Textual healing. All right, everyone, before we get started, uh, I'm just going to remind all of our loyal, beloved listeners to join our Patreon, patreon.com slash You're Making It Worse. You know, we normally don't, get vulnerable like this uh on the podcast but the writer's strike carries on and if i'm being frank it's starting to to take a toll on us um alan told me uh recently that he's had to pick up some extra midnight shifts at the library which which struck me as a little strange because libraries aren't 24 hours well turns out the library isn't open. He's been breaking in and reading alone in the dark for five hours a night. So <laughs> he was recently detained by LAPD and he's looking for a little extra money for legal representation. And Elliot also confessed to me that he wasn't he was struggling as well. He had to pick up a, a freelance job at Venice Beach as a sunscreen application assistant <laughs> for for just a nickel. He'll lather your back, front, and underneath your swimming suit region with suntan lotion. Um, <laughs> he has one Yelp review so far, quote, why did it take him an hour to finish just my back? Um, but things are stressful. We're stressed. So feel free to join our Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash you're making it worse. Yeah, Brent gets off scot-free. Nothing, nothing. I think... I think that Brent is volunteering to monitor and maybe be the social media sort of person for a whole slew of OnlyFans creators and <laughs> is not even getting paid to do it. He's doing it for free so that they will give him free subscriptions to them. There is you are you think it's a joke. I I'm not going to get into the weeds on this, but there was literally someone I was texting with for two weeks recently as his like OnlyFans advisor. <laughs> oh my God. And he hasn't launched yet, but I was telling him how to launch and where to advertise because I have all these thoughts about it. <laughs> uh, and and I'm not kidding. Like I literally spent two weeks and then we just, things just kind of petered off. So wait, wait, hold on. What, who is like, who is the person? Where do you find them? And like, why are they asking you for advice about how to launch an OnlyFans? It was a person that I found on Grindr when I was on the East Coast. And we ended up hitting it off just like for a, like a few exchanges. And, and so I sent him my number and I forget exactly how OnlyFans came up, um, but it did. And maybe he had like a sexy Twitter. He had a, that's it. He like his Twitter is like very sexy. So I was like, you should make an OnlyFans. And he's like, I've been wanting to, but I just don't know how. And I'm, I'm like kind of in- intimidated by it. And I was like, well, trust me, nothing to be intimidated by. Let me walk you through the process. Oh my God. And- <laughs> like, I'll be a sample customer. You can send your wares by me. <laughs> that's exactly, literally over. exactly what, what happened. So Did anyway. you advise him on like lighting and like I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I, I advised him on a lot of things. You know, I know the I know the first piece of advice that Brent gave this person. I know the first thing that came out of his mouth. If you make it more than ten dollars, I'm never talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was expecting uh, I was expecting a VIP access myself, but uh, 
<laughs> but no, my, my whole thing is like the the balance between what you show in your teasers. That's that's the interesting part, because like you can't show too much because people won't engage. So if you go on Reddit or Twitter and you show, you know, two minute clips. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting into the weeds on this. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Alan, go ahead. Now we're getting into the go, weeds. go ahead and start. Go ahead and start <laughs> us off. Wait, I didn't do this one. Who did this? This is me. I'll, I'll uh, do this it. This is Elliot. Uh, so America First Legal, which is a nonprofit, thank God, a nonprofit run by Stephen Miller, who was a the like horrific Trump advisor behind lock, locking kids up in cage. He was just like I think one of the one of the worst of those uh, of the, the the policymakers in the Trump administration. Um, so he urged. He's literally a character from The Simpsons. I mean, he's plucked yeah, he's Simpsons. pure cartoon evil. He runs this nonprofit called America First Legal. And he's urging the he's urging an anti-discrimination agency called the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission to investigate, wait for it, Kellogg, the cereal company, because <laughs> he's accusing the cereal maker of sexual <laughs> sexualizing its products and being, quote, of course, infused with woke ideology. And the reason that, you know, we've seen this with with uh Budweiser and I didn't even I picked this for a story but there was nothing to even talk about but they're going after Skittles now because Skittles released <laughs> a line of gray Skittles from like last year I think for Pride Month making a point about like how we're all the rainbow or something so they're going after Skittles but he Stephen Miller is actively taking legal action trying to get this uh the, the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission to actively investigate Kellogg. So the examples that he pointed to in terms of this uh, woke ideology that's and, and sexualization of its products are there's a cereal mascot. Uh, there's a rainbow heart-shaped cereal uh, on some type of cereal, a cereal mascot holding a pride flag and a box of Cheez-Its fe featuring RuPaul. They also included Tony the Tiger, quote, linking elbows with Dylan Mulvaney at the 76th annual Tony Awards in New York City. So that, again, Dylan Mulvaney being the trans TikTok lady who was sent the Budweiser can that no one even could buy. Like, it's so, it's such chaos and it's so, uh, it just goes so far in terms of the, uh, it, it just grabs so far. It's such a reach. So, uh, all right, we ready? Go ahead, yeah. So I was going to say, so this is what I find. This is what I find so interesting. So we've talked about this before on the podcast, but uh, I I think Republicans have a vaguely reasonable winning argument with the pushback against woke culture. Now, of course, don't get me wrong. There's there's, you know, uh, Republicans are as hypocritical about cancel culture as liberals are. And I'm not saying that they're always right by any means. But I think I think you know, large swaths of the population probably think there there comes a moment when the Internet has become a little crazy when it comes to cancel culture and woke ideology. That said, I feel like and this is why I'm so befuddled by this. I feel like it's easy to just go too far to the other extreme and to literally claim that like Kellogg's is trying to sexualize children by having a rainbow marshmallow, which everyone knows doesn't ever look like the actual thing. It, yeah, and their cereal is so farcical that I, I mean, much like I've always argued with people like fringe uh, activists like Fred Phelps that, you know, the crazy person, the God hates fags guy. It's like these folks, I think, tend to, to actually remind us that we ultimately have more in common and that I'm just surprised that they're taking such a strident 
uh, stance on such a silly uh, company like Kellogg's. I mean, one of the things we, yes, it is. I mean, to us, it's a very silly stance and it is. It's, and, and I think the way he's going about it is particularly silly, especially in some of his, the things that he cited. But that said, we are, we are seeing the ramifications of this rhetoric and the, the, whatever he does lawsuit or campaign, he pushes against them. Actually, it, those really don't matter. The, the facts of what he's pushing against really doesn't matter. But the impact of him doing it, I think, does matter. And we saw it with Target pushing back, taking some Pride stuff off the shelves. We saw it with Budweiser pushing back, going against, pulling out of a lot of Pride activities. We saw it, unfortunately, just this past week with there was a, a, a shop owner, Laura, Lori Carlton, who she's in um, oh, just outside Los Angeles here. I forget the town, but a small town. And she had a Pride flag outside of, and she's a straight woman, nine children married for like 30 years and she got there's a person who always came up and tried to like futz with the pride flag and she confronted the person and he shot her and she died and it's Ugh. over a pride flag just yeah it's crazy outside of a privately owned business not not like a mcdonald's not like a major not a target putting out like nothing like that literally a small business the epicenter of what republicans love about america is someone owning a small business and a pride flag outside of it. And that person got so angry, he shot her. And so I say that to say like, the rhetoric is like the scariest part of it. The actual things that he says about RuPaul on a box of Cheez-Its or a rainbow in a cereal actually is irrelevant. But the, the, the domino effect of the impact that it has for some of the frankly small-minded people that will hear it and then make their own two cents about it and then see a rainbow flag somewhere and freak out and because of the children the children are are at stake we have to save the children and it's like it's just the rhetoric and the domino effect of it that i think is the most dangerous thing that's why i've been laughing at i mean i, I keep laughing at it and have been as we were talk about this stuff for what feels like years now but i'm always like i you've heard me say it a million times i can't believe people waste their time and energy finding finding the 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 what it takes to hate and and like to to um project such hatred based on what is really nonsense like like protecting the children which again is such a general and archaic idea the idea of being against a pride flag which is so like it's just strange you know to me it's just like strange but at a certain point i have to, i have to stop laughing because this rhetoric really does seem to then translate to real world effects among dummies who are like yeah that that down with drag queens yes yes fuck pride month yes you know i sort of fell into a rabbit hole last week on instagram of i guess you'd call them i don't know what you'd call them that like this world of like i guess populist rapper like white male rapper populists these guys who are like tattooed all over their face and they they're really scary looking. They're all white and they do like intensely libertarian raps about like against woke culture. And it's so violent and it's so hateful and it's so genuinely scary. And it's, but that's where I get freaked out because I'm seeing people who look like otherwise like normal people in their like 30s wearing these shirts that's that are like burning flags and and they don't look like extreme and like the, the rappers do but they're peep the fans like they don't look like extremists 
And yet here they are, because I feel like they are just taking the rhetoric as bait. And I'm like, I I just, what's that? Same as people on like Instagram too, who, you know, theoretically they're allies of queer people. They, they like, you know, queer content. They love queer eye. They probably have gone to a drag show before they do all these things, but they're hell bent on the children at school being influenced by drag queens and and keeping it away from children. Got to keep everything away from the kids, all the pride stuff away from the kids, the kids, the kids, the kids. And so now whenever I post anything that's anything queer related, which is quite often, and I get those comments being like, oh, I don't care what you do or if you're queer, just keep it away from the kids. My, my default reply always is in all caps, the kids are all right. The kids are all right. Everyone calm down. The kids- Don't you think like, the strangest, the, the schism to me, like the strangest break in reality to me is that these people who are ostensibly, you know, obviously we're just, we're not talking about a monolith, but let's say these people who are like, oh, I like your queer content, or they they are not necessarily homophobic. They wouldn't call themselves homophobic or racist. Their idea of needing to protect the children is literally, even though they are technologically savvy and they live in the same world we do in 2023, they are playing into the same archaic thing that Anita Bryant said about saving our children in the 70s. Late 70s, yeah. During it's the- been almost 50 years, and these people who were- Teachers, queer teachers, not being allowed to teach in schools. I remember that. I, reading about that was obviously way too young to be alive then, but <laughs> I, just, I just can't believe that people are such rubes about the most- manufactured it's like this is manufactured to make you angry yeah to make you think you're saving children or defending something and it's nonsense but they're doing it they were doing it with anita bryant and they're doing it now i've said it before and i'll say it again the people who are doing it do not give a fuck they will they don't go care movie they will love to, they'll go to the drag show with their daughter probably they'll do all these things all they want you to do or all they want these people to do who are so angry is to be angry enough on election day that they go to the polls for them. And that is the, there is that literally their only incentive in being against drag shows, about being against pride stuff. That is their only incentive. And the people who fall prey to it are the ones who are vulnerable to this rhetoric on both sides. The left, they don't agree with anything on the left and they don't really agree with mainstream Republicans either. So they're listening to these crazy voices who are at least giving them something to be angry about. So there yeah. you go, there you go. You heard it from Alan, uh, from Alan here on the podcast. Quit social media. <laughs> I don't think that's... Dele- delete your social media page. Cool. Not even joking. Okay, we are doing something that we do occasionally, here and there, sometimes. Uh, listener questions and answers, which is always fun because it's, um, well, like every bit of questions that we get, there's always one about, you know, well, one we have is, when did the Elliot unhinged bit start? I would also like to say that the questions that are given to us are also just as unhinged. So I think we have curated a space on the internet for unhinged behavior that um, maybe we should celebrate more. <laughs> it's true. Let's see. Let me check my Gmail. Do we start with that? So there is an email I have. No, shoot. I'm trying to see when is the first reference to Elliot being unhinged. 
You have the first, you have the legitimate first reference. Well, I have Gmail and you can search Gmail for words. And I'm trying to see when was the first time I emailed Elliot that he was unhinged. (laughs) Well, while you're looking for that, then let's take um, another question. So we have one that was pretty much the obvious one from today. How are we holding up with the hurricane? And we should also say um, earthquake (laughs) that some of us felt, I felt. Right. Right. In the eye of, we're not in the eye of Hurricane Hillary, um, but at this point, yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, I just keep looking around and I'm like, isn't it just raining? Yeah, yeah, it does seem, I mean, it does seem that way, although you might, I mean, it's happening right now as we record, like you could probably hear it in the background, maybe with the rain, because I'm right by my fireplace and I can hear the drops and stuff, um, but it's not horrible yet. I mean, no. I it's supposed to they said it's supposed to happen throughout the night so who knows we might wake up and there's no electricity it's 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 been a bit of a bust which is unfortunate i mean obviously i don't want like some sort of natural disaster that like hurts anyone but like you know all of the lead up and then it ended up kind of skirting by los angeles and it's literally just rained all day and yet you know everyone had to change all their plans and shit do you think people they like closed businesses you know and i guess my question is do you think this is LA as an overreaction to weather as I feel as is often the case or do you think that there's a not a conspiracy but like clearly the panic about weather news becomes so you know over it takes it overtakes everything in in I mean I think I imagine everywhere but even in New York like the panic that sets in is not always even like you know remember Hurricane Irene it was like they thought it was going to be Sandy 2.0 and then it, it literally drizzled. I think there is a little bit of, because I mean, if you think back and of course this is none of these hurricanes are at the level of Katrina, but if you think back to Katrina and how the ripple effect that Katrina had in terms of media and social media and how it like governments were held accountable a lot quicker than I think they ever had been in a response to a natural, a natural disaster. And so I feel like now, especially in big cities, a lot of big city leaders are like, well, even if we, even if we are over responding to this, it's better than under responding. So yeah, that's true. I I don't disagree with that. I just, I'm like, I guess I'm, I'm just like, I just always sort of roll my eyes at the panic that the, the overdrive that happens because it feels like, to me, it feels like obviously it's better to overreact than underreact, but I do feel like the news and that like the media can just get so much material out of scare tactics at a, at a certain it's, point. It's a really, it's also a really fine line when it comes to disaster preparedness because you know uh, you can you can and rightfully so tell people to be concerned and I think they will most of them will will heed your advice. Uh, but if it ten, ends up being a flop, they you, you might start losing some folks. And next time you tell people to be to be prepared and concerned, they fewer people will. And if it happens twice in a row, I think a lot of folks will start saying you're crying wolf and not pay attention to the warnings that you that yeah. you that you give before like a na- potential natural disaster like this. So it's 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 an interesting psychology behind like whether you should you know how prepared you should be and and the warnings that you give to your citizens. Mm-hmm. Well, we have another question here, um, not about the hurricane. Have you ever had a sex stream about each other? And if so, did H. Allen have a small penis in it? <laughs> Interesting. God, I, I have definitely not had a sex. I, ha- I, but I also don't have like I have very, very rarely have sex streams either. I never really do. I don't can't even remember. And 
I have like vague, sometimes like intimate dreams, but it's never about my friends. What's an intimate dream? Yeah. Like cuddling, kissing, hooking up, that kind of thing. But I don't have like fucking dreams, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Interesting. I do. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't absolutely <laughs> blow me away, but fair enough. <laughs> I, but not about my friends, not about you guys, but never about, I don't think I've, I've never had one that's been like, jar, you know, terrifying or jarring or something where I wake up and I'm like, what? I do yeah. usually confusing. Really unhinged? What? You remember one that was particularly unhinged? God. <laughs> I mean, sexually unhinged? Uh, or just crazy. Or yeah. Or or here's another question. How often do you have sex dreams? Honestly, not very often. I'm so creeped. I'm genuinely so creeped out by the idea of I don't even like the word wet. I, I can't even say it. I have to say nocturnal emissions. Okay. Like, the idea of that is so disgusting to me. And it's only happened like a couple of times, but the idea of like a penis having of having a nocturnal emission without any sort of like friction or hand use or any anything like any body parts or hand that is so creep. It's so creepy. The whole category on like porn. Oh, ooh, it's so gross. To, it freaks me out. So wow. um, that's not to say that I that it hasn't happened to me. I just I, I don't. I, I can't, it's so it cre- well it, i haven't had a wet dream in my adulthood you know i have i mean i've definitely had in my adulthood oh interesting okay i think it's why well, you think it's just like a, a teen thing like a virgin virginal teen well thing? i mean i guess i i think probably and i know you're gonna you're gonna blanch elliot i probably masturbate more than you do right yes definitely okay yeah definitely <laughs> i yeah. won't blanch at that if uh-huh. i um reference friend I, I couldn't find a definitive one but i know it dates i know it dates back at least a decade wow because i remember yeah, I like i'm making on decade ago references yeah. what were you doing elliot god you know god only knows i mean <laughs> i think i wasn't like i didn't when we were became friends in new york like i wasn't i don't think i was dating up a storm or even like hooking up a ton you know i I think I've gotten more sex positive as time has gone on, but I also don't, I don't brag about it. I don't, I'm not, I don't like walk around and like, it's not something that I think of as like having a value of being like overshared or undershared. It's just like Brent and you guys are two of my closest friends. So if I talk about it, I guess in an echo chamber, it does, it might sound unhinged, but Well, uh, without getting into the weeds on this, I will just say generally the the tenor of uh, the tenor of the types of sexual interactions you've had, I think, are comfortably above the average person. And I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Okay, let's are like, are you having yeah, hot air balloons? What is he, what is he doing? That's now that's, that's what I would imagine because you do enjoy shit like that. You enjoy adventure yeah. balloon shit. I mean, uh, your dream would be you in a hot air balloon sitting on like a rope or something. Yeah, I mean, by the <laughs> way, all right, so we've talked about this on the podcast, so I'm going to I'm going to mention it and don't get mad at me because it has come up on the podcast before. You got fucked in the janitor's closet of your own office once. Like that's like eight. That's not not everyone doesn't have that interaction. And look, it's great. You didn't get caught. It was fun. It was exciting. Good for you. I just, I love it. But like, 
that's not the at the average person doesn't at least fuck once in a janitor's closet in their office uh potentially 10 feet from their boss walking to the bathroom like that's but all right we'll leave that at that go ahead alan okay so the next one sorry i'm doing i have lots of devices where the questions are on um the next one is from casey would you ever do a paid subscription brent is going to be a hard no on this like on instagram like on subscribers or on OnlyFans? like like would you ever do a subscription based in like force people to like to to follow us you have to pay uh, not us like us three as a podcast but like individually i believe oh okay stuff so would you ever do no no i i would not i'm i'm i think i'm too self-deprecating to I, i'm already so like turned off by the like the way that narcissism has just become a all-consuming monster because of social media like that that's the main crux of it for me is that I see narcissism as the root of it. And so when I see people make their content like subscription based, I'm very confused. Yeah. I have found, I think I have found probably the most healthiest of balances uh, with social media than I've ever had in my life. I no longer feel anxiety by it or feel like, you know, like scrolling through, I can control my, my feed now so I can see what I want to see instead of like what the companies are wanting me to see. And I've also sort of changed how people can interact with me on social media in a lot of ways, which I really love. Of course, anyone can comment and send horrible messages and all those things, but I don't put my, unless I'm in drag, I don't put my face on social media anymore. And I don't put myself out there. And I don't share necessarily everything anymore because it got to a place where like, it was fucking with my head. So now I post curated content that I want out there, references and things that I enjoy, that I find funny, that would be a public thing that I would put into any comedy thing I'm doing or any show I'm doing or anything I'm doing. And then I do have a subscriber thing where I'll show like, you know, like my Disney trips or like the food I'm eating at Disney or like the things I'm doing when I go out places or whatever. But it's like, I don't wanna necessarily share that with everyone, but if you're a fan of me and you wanna be a part of that, Go by all means, pay $2.99 and you can see that a month if you want. But like, it's like, and then in that way, A, I'm sort of weeding out the crazies from getting a little weird about replying woof and shit at me. Like, get rid of that mess. And and have people who are directly engaged in what I do in my art, in my work, in my life. And if they want to be a part of it, go on and subscribe. So yeah, I have that. And I kind of love that balance. And I'm I'm the opposite where I just I can't fathom the arrogance of someone like asking charging money for anything that isn't nude content. Like I just I can't I can't wrap anything that isn't nude. Like I can't wrap my head around like I mean it, it's 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 nauseating to me the way apps work now where if an app has any decent idea, uh it just like they will figure out the 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 hinge with which it uh, this app works and charge you charge you for it charge you to see it and just there just comes a point where you're like i can't give every fucking thing six dollars a month like i can't give netflix and hulu and this and this app and that app and and tinder and grinder and hinge i mean it's just there's every i mean look i get i get it like money's how the, the world the world turns and like people that's what people want and some folks are willing to do it i get it but to me Whenever, whenever I see these influencers 
who to me bring nothing but, I mean, obviously I follow people that are attractive. That's what I'm motivated by, but they bring nothing but just adding another attractive face or body to my world. I'm just like, I can't imagine the arrogance of charging me money for for content uh, when there's a billion other people out there just like you. Exactly. And that's the wonderful thing about it, though, is that like you can just not subscribe, like yeah. you can just yeah. do it, you know? Absolutely. Um, OK, in general, just genuine in general, like baffled by the by the sort of like I get why I get why you're like, if you want to if you want to engage with me on this and you want to pay, go for it. I think the idea in general of like that that trope of people on TikTok being like, come with me as I try it, like that weird voice where they're like, come with me as I try on my like fitness, my athleisure. And I'm like, what is yeah. <laughs> so the the weird, like, don't you want to, it's all about like, being my friend. I, I'm so, and, I, and, and it's also like, you're talking about trying on athleisure. I've, I've followed accounts like that, but the interesting thing is it's not about, of course, as we all know, it's not about trying on athleisure. It's about them getting into their underwear before yeah. they try on athleisure. And that's, Boyerism. that's the surreal, the, the surreality of all of it is like, as, as you talk about a lot, Elliot, like the people pretending like it's not sexual. Right. When obviously not everyone is being sexual, of course, on these apps, but a lot of times they are, but they're pretending like it's about something else. At, trying, on, <laughs> trying on a new uh, leggings from Lululemon. And you're like, yeah, yeah but you, you just showed me your sweaty bulge before you put on the pants. <laughs> like, this is bizarre. Really, and, and I get the sexual aspect of it. I totally do. But I also think there's a lot of lanes on the internet where it's not all about sex and it's not all about, you know, yeah, for sure. And that's why, I'm, but that's why I'm confused by it because it's like, on one hand, I, on one hand, I, I'm like, Oh, I get it. You just want to like, you clearly took video of yourself putting on clothes. So it's not as if this isn't meant to be voyeuristic and sexual. However, it's gross that you don't say that it is. But then on the other hand, with all those lanes, I'm like, I don't get what this, I don't, then I don't know what this is. But I also think too, subscribing to an OnlyFans or subscribing to someone on Instagram or subscribing, however you subscribe to people, I, in this day and age, considering how the world works and where entertainment's coming from, I don't see it any different than going to like paying, you know, uh, a ticket price for a comedy show and two drink tickets to sit there and see a comic you like. It's literally engaging with the people that you're interested in for yeah. what way you are interested in them and supporting yeah, them sure the i didn't say i didn't say make it illegal i just i can't wrap my head around it yeah i yeah it's very different even in like five five ten years all right let's take a quick break and we'll be right back and we're back voice message from um deborah that it is it made me laugh so hard her voice is so perfect and her question is directed at me so i probably love it more but i love i love she has two voice messages that I'm just obsessed with Deborah. I'm obsessed with Deborah. Is it to tuck when you're doing your pageantry? And is it difficult to untuck? This is my question. We've Universal blessings, bat wings and boobies. <laughs> oh, wow. That's Deborah, awesome. I had another one. Hold on. I also was wondering, does it freaking hurt? Oh, my gosh. It seems like. It would. So I, bless your soul. I love Deborah. I Is that love your mom? No, it's not my mother. It's not my mother. Um, I love Deborah. She's a listener of the podcast. She did a message on the on our the our the podcast. What was, what was her 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 exit line? Blessings and boobies. Yeah. With boobies or something, which I love. God damn. Yeah, so yeah she's great. 
perfect. Um, the answer is if you're skinny, it does. <laughs> yeah. For a lot of Queens that tuck, like being skinny, I think is it's tucking's a more involved process, but when you're fat, everything just kind of smushes together. So like, <laughs> You can't really tell what's a bulge and what's just like thighs and <laughs> it becomes all a part of it's a smushed area. So I rarely ever have to because um, after wearing what four different pairs of shapewear underneath an outfit to, to give myself a silhouette, uh, it's it's sufficiently sufficiently smashed to the point. Does where Mike, Does Michael tuck you or you do it yourself? There's not really much tucking involved. It's just sort of like smushing and then it all smushed like you pulled push down and you you put the underwear on and it just kind of becomes a flat right. now if you're a skinnier queen and you're going for a look that's like particularly you know crotch based there's taping involved and there's a lot of other stuff involved mm -hmm. it becomes a bit more complicated in terms it of really it really sounds it sounds terrifying like it, it but, but like it, painful is what i mean way you look at the end and the way it just like yeah. people react to how you look i mean it's just it's completely worth it in the end yeah what's the name of the garment or the it's not a merkin but it's like there's a name for the thing that you use to flatten your crotch the tucking panty yeah i thought there was like another name that they were talking about on drag race and i was like oh i'd never heard that word before i don't know i don't know what that is then I don't yeah, know. I think I think I missed that episode. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Lisa wants to know, are you a breakfast person? Are we like collectively each of us? Uh, I I am a breakfast person, but I eat the exact same thing every single morning. Yogurt and toast. Yogurt and toast. Always. Yogurt. Oh, it's a it's a healthy breakfast. It's great. Yeah. Brent. I, I have pro I have protein shakes, a little a little protein powder with some milk in the morning. Uh, and I, I say I actually have I love grape nuts and I have grape nuts usually for one of two small lunches. That's how I eat my lunch. Two small lunches, usually what? one at 11 and then one at one o'clock. Oh, wow. Well, that's mm -hmm. a snack and a small lunch, too, I guess. No. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. How do you not? I mean, grape nuts, I can probably see yourself only eating one bowl, but I have. It, it has become like physically impossible for me to ever eat just one bowl of cereal. I, I don't I don't buy real like actual sugar cereals because I will eat the box. And that's that's why Grape Nuts is so easy. It's like I put a little honey on it, but like it's so it's like it's not so incredible that you're you're going to pound, you know, four servings in one sitting. It's just like it's just it's good. That's it. <laughs> that's what you want from cereal. The dustiest, crustiest, like most elderly cereal, and I love it. So it's bulgur wheat, and I love it so much. I don't, I don't buy bulgur it. wheat. Wow, it's bulgur wheat. I think that's what it's called. Is I only put it on like, and I only ever have it if I'm at like a hotel or something, and they have you know the the breakfast buffet or whatever, and they often have grape nuts as an option, and I'll mm -hmm. get like yogurt, and I'll put a little grape nuts on top and mix it into yeah. the. It's, I don't do it. It's not like a full bowl of cereal at that point. It's literally just like like the grape nuts add just a texture to the yogurt. Yeah, I still remember the commercial for grape nuts where the a grandfather cut a nectarine in half and dipped his nectarine in grape nuts and oh, bulgur wheat. Wait, wait, you eat bulgur wheat is what you said, Elliot, right? Or are you comparing grape nuts to bulgur wheat? I thought grape nuts are bulgur wheat. Not what it is? Oh, maybe it is. I don't know. I just Googled bulgur wheat. It does kind of look like it, but it's a little different. Well, they it's processed. So, you know, it's it's 
made into an easier form than what you would get. But yeah, I think it is bulgur wheat. I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, hey, there you go. Question from a friend of the pod that will remain nameless because of the... Oh, wait, I have to answer my, my, my breakfast question. Yeah. I, I have also a protein shake, but I put it in coffee. What? What? Iced coffee. So it's like a delicious sweetener. Oh, wow. Protonaceous. Wait, wait, I'm confused. So you have the iced coffee, right? Yeah. You make your, your protein shake. Or I don't make a shake. I just have a, like a, it's a powder. Oh, it's a protein drink or whatever. Yeah. Basically. I treat it like your creamer, right? So it's, yeah, it's essentially a latte. Oh, that gross. It's Mm -hmm. great. (laughs) Yeah. It does does actually sound gross. I agree. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't do coffee in the, anymore. I I only do. Occasionally I'll do an iced coffee from Starbucks if I'm like just really desperately needing it, but I'm, I'm strictly a tea person at this point. Wow. Love that. Wean yourself off. Good for you. Um, okay, this is a question that um, Brent will love. If you were a serial killer, how many victims do you think you'd get caught at? You know, this is a, literally something I've thought about because there's so, no. <laughs> there's so, like, it just, there's just like a limit. There's, there's like a maximum limit almost always, which is to say, especially with forensics now, like, in fact, this, this question came up on Reddit recently. Someone was like, why were there more serial killers in the 70s and 80s and i think the answer is they're just forensics by the way dna Ah. like was was in its infancy slash didn't exist so i just think like you can only play that game so many times before you get caught and so if i mean obviously i think if i was going to choose to murder people which of course i would never would because i'm a a decent moral person but if i if i did i'd probably say five to ten before i got caught yeah five to ten oh that's that's literally double like that's that's five or five well, you gotta give a range because you, <laughs> you, you, you maybe i don't know a fucking hair drops out at the wrong spot and about murdering people the range should be within one or two <laughs> well i said i would never do it i'm a decent moral person but if i did no i would, would do five to ten there's a really interesting article that came out in the times it, i think that's probably what probably inspired the reddit conversation um and it came about because of the long island serial killer and the guy right. what is it called gilgo beach or something yeah yeah um and they talked about why they that in the 1970s they were like tracking hundreds of people and now they're literally tracking like 12 who have like a total of like 64 victims or something i'm mean, that could be oh, good wow. yeah article was really interesting and it's because of technology it's because of social media it's because of the different of course you know advances in science that these people know the likelihood of them getting caught and you look at this long island serial killer and how stupid he was in terms of thinking he was using a burner phone that couldn't be tracked and couldn't be and game changer that kind of slipped under the radar were these fucking you know dna sites where like it used to be you could have someone's dna but they had to get arrested again yeah. Or, and and they had to get arrested again and give their DNA, which you which you only have to do for certain like levels of crimes. And but now that's different because you can go to what is it? 23 and me or ancestry or wh- whichever which whichever one it is. And you can trait you can take a set of DNA, find perhaps common links. I don't fucking know how they do it, but like that's how they've caught a bunch of these serial killers. It's like a sort of a game changer. The Golden State Killer was because of, a, I think, a 23 and me thing. Have you guys done like one of those ge- genealogy site things? No, for that exact reason, Alan. 
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. No, I just, I don't give a fuck. Like, I just, like these, like they're a brilliant marketing idea. I just, I like, I care about my nuclear family and I don't give a fuck who my great, great aunt was. I just don't care. He did it because my mom's adopted and we wanted to like find connections. So we all kind of did it. Like, you know, one of my brothers and then my mom and tried to get some idea of where people were, but it was helpful. But hey, if I, if one of my family members is a murderer, well then guess what? You're going to jail. Cause I can yeah. sample. Um, you're giving them up immediately. Yep. You better be careful if you're listening. Okay. We have another question from Kyle. How do you handle negative comments? God. We, we, we just got one. We got one recently. Complain about I, I ignore, I ignore them. Um, uh, but well, I mean, I'm they're sent to me. I read them. I become enraged and then I push it out of my brain. How do you guys deal with it? the ones there are some that you guys don't need to see and then there are some that need to be shared you know what i mean like I, I try to find that balance i don't mind negative comments i mean i get i get some crazy crazy ones and i both on my own end and then of course from podcasts like i was just saying recently in a text chain to you guys that <laughs> on the other podcast the golden girls podcast that i do someone because the golden girls fans are so insane and i love them i love them but if you are a person who is maybe bad at quoting TV and film like I am. I am actually very bad at quoting and remembering quotes because I'm so smart that I have so much more going on in my head that's important. But they get very angry if you misquote the Golden Girls. And so I get a lot wow. of from fans being like, can you believe this fucker? He can't even- How dare you? And this person, but what's so funny is this person literally said in their comment, and I'm paraphrasing, I can't leave this on the Apple podcast because I don't want to give to the overlords of Steve Jobs, who is dead. Um, <laughs> I don't want to give to give in to the Apple overlords. So this person went to my YouTube page on the trailer for the documentary film that I did, Latter-day Jew, which has nothing to do with From years ago. Wow. Comment being like, he can't even quote Golden Girls. How does he not know where Attica is? What a, what a, I mean, wow. I have to say, like, this is why I don't pay attention and I won't read negative. I don't really want to read comments in general, but I, I, I can't fathom having the interest or the interest to build the energy to go through the motions to make somebody feel bad. Yeah. I've, I've even started, I've even, well, I, I guess this isn't like a huge shock. Maybe we all feel this way. I've started really, really hating bad Yelp reviews, especially for literally any small business, any business that's like a restaurant that's not owned, uh, like isn't a conglomerate of Applebee's, like any business that has a bad review and you read the review and obviously nine times out of 10, it's for a fucking bullshit reason. Like a waiter's in a bad mood that night or something. It's like, fuck you, motherfucker. You don't need, you don't need to go online and write a bad review that is this, for this ever persistent negative blip in the radar of this business's you know work and it'll last for 10 fucking years and by the way back to fucking yelp i write i i i did write one bad review for a dentist once but outside of that i i write nothing but good reviews they fucking delete good reviews i i will go back to see where my reviews like oh i love this restaurant nearby let me see my read my review it's fucking gone and i can tell you i didn't delete it myself Yelp is like it's ex it's extorting people. There was a documentary about this, but it wasn't like 
It wasn't big. It was like a YouTube documentary. So I don't know if it's real or not. But like I'm telling you, Yelp is fucking bullshit. <laughs> I like the path you went from that. <laughs> I don't know. I think Yelp is like kind of holds people accountable, even like in those scenarios where, I mean, I, I don't know. You're right. It's like it could be a one-time thing that shouldn't backfire on on a business for the rest of time. But at the same time, like if there's a persistent issue going on with a business or they're, you know, they're in the wrong time and time again, can't, I mean, at least for me, like I look at Yelp reviews for doctors just to yeah, see what people say. And I try to, you know, get, get, and I try to read all of them from the best to the worst. So I get a good idea of like, what will what would or wouldn't make me uncomfortable about going also look at the other reviews those people have given i mean who yeah, knows yeah. yelp might be deleting the positive ones but i look at them and if it's like a list of just bad ones i'm like oh this person's clearly just crazy this person yeah. unhinged on him yeah and certainly if there's a consistency across 10 bad reviews for an establishment then that's a fair that's i mean certainly a fair argument i would say more often than not that's not the case it's some dipshit who went to a restaurant that's owned by a human being yeah. who's just trying to make their living and they said they they didn't they didn't like the salad so two stars i literally read a review this week that was a new restaurant and it was a positive review and they gave them two stars it was oh, like, yeah, you... oh it was good and and it was fun and we had a good time and and uh, and this was good we didn't love the dessert but good time overall two stars you can see when people in that own i mean i, I feel like often the management or the owner or whomever will respond to them and you'll be like, oh, right. So that person is nuts. And this manager is clearly doing the yeah. appropriate thing by following up and, and like apologizing or not apologizing or just making it clear that there's context here. And I always take account of that too, you know? Yeah. Well, we have two more questions. Um, what celeb do you think would make a good president and you can't say Oprah? Oof. I think that's a good one. That is a good one. I who would make a good president. President Cameron Mannheim. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did Nikki Glazer's radio show or podcast or whatever it was, and her son was on with me, and I didn't know that it was Cameron that he was Cameron Milo. And I, yeah, he's famous apparently too, and I didn't know that either. And I literally freaked out, not because of him, but because of his mother. Of course, mm -hmm. he's also mm -hmm. very handsome. Well, don't worry, he's gotten that his entire life. I don't. Uh, I think that comes from a very specific population. A very specific yeah. demographic, perhaps. <laughs> yes. uh, God, good question. Jesus, who would it be? Good question. Uh, like, could it be John Stewart? It could be. He would. He would. All right. That, I'll, I'm going to take that because I'm. Otherwise, I'm actually hopelessly stuck. I would get. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Tom Hanks is so like amiable and likable. I guess that would be a good. He would be a good ambassador for. Talk about Matthew McConaughey running for office, and he's planting seeds. He is. Yeah. Seeds in Texas. Yeah, yeah, well, good luck in Texas, Matt. No, give me, give me somebody who with a who's famous, but they have a brain. Like that, they're, they're, they're in, I mean, I, I mean, this is crazy, but like President Fran Lebowitz. <laughs> Fran Lebowitz. She's eccentric, but she's reasonable minded. Mm -hmm. That would be good. Um, yeah, I don't know who either. I would probably go. I mean, John Stewart. I think is a perfect answer because I would immediately vote for John Stewart. Like immediately. Like yeah, perfect. Um, okay, last question: Android versus iPhone. Have you have you ever considered an Android? Have you ever been an Android person? Yeah. Yeah. I, I I mean I guess I don't know if I was an Android. I just I got I, I got my iPhone late, so I think I I was I bought mine at the end of 2013. Um, and so honestly, on it, I I 
I get annoyed with these phones all the time, but like Apple's done such a good job of like connecting your phone with your computer and shit that like, I'm, maybe you can do the same thing with Androids and Macs, but it would just be so annoying that, yeah. And and the blue versus green text. So I'm just like, ah, I'm stuck until like the zeitgeist shifts again, which there, I guess may, might be never. In like 2014, where for like three months, I switched to the Samsung Note or whatever it was. And it was the one of the most frustrating three months I think I've ever had in my life. Yeah. We switched back to iPhone. Yeah. They have been, I mean, I was originally a BlackBerry person. Like that was like in the mid aughts. That's part of what I had. And then I switched right over to iPhone and yeah. never looked back. And my, well, I got BlackBerry my, just like hell on earth. Yeah. There's a phone called the nothing phone. It's like a company that makes some technology that's very limited um, and it's meant to be like utility. It's not a, it's not a flip phone. It's a smartphone, but it's meant to be quote unquote intentional. So it's very, like yeah. very plain, very direct, very by the books. And I kind of love the idea, but I've never actually made the, made the switch. I think about it. Oh, sorry, Alan. What? Sounds like a senior citizen phone that they like <laughs> a jitterbug cellular or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think about it all the time, but honestly, there's like, there's a couple apps that I I genuinely would feel almost unsafe not living with. One of which is just maps. Like I I feel like I need to have maps. And obviously, as a single guy, you you need to have like I guess it's best to have one dating app of some kind. But I I I'm tempted with that all the time of like dialing back to one of these old school phones. But but what oh, about you, Elliot? What's your answer? Oh no, I'm uh, I'm 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 iPhone because I just I'm also I have the same the yeah. same thing where it's like I'm just I'm too tied to the 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 lack of uh or the connection between all the interacting apps and, and computer yeah. stuff but i still say i would love nothing more than for my mom to be forced every time she touches an apple product it turns into a flip phone that's my yeah. everything right. she does is touches it turns to a flip phone and she can't send me screenshots of yeah. video you know, like she can't send me her her paraphernalia anymore yeah I how I'm like an ad for um, Apple because I literally everything is within the Apple infrastructure. I mean, down to my watch, my phone, my iPad, the computer, and I use it all. Like right now I have my iPad in front of me to do the work that I need to do while talking to you guys on the computer. And then I have my phone. Like I'm definitely one of those people that like I, yeah. I, Apple, I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid, I guess. Kool yeah. I still will let my phone become like my computer though. I, I still feel like I like to keep a different, like a, a yeah differentiation between like what I will do on my phone versus what's like meant for work time. Yeah. Well, that was all the questions. Thank you all so much for sending them in. We'll do this again soon sometime, maybe during another hurricane. Yeah. God willing. <laughs> and another thing. So Brent has become a amateur dessert. I guess it's not a, you're not a you don't work in a patisserie but you have found a joy in making different types of sorbet that's right that's right and how and why did you get into sorbets and making them at home well for what it's worth i'm reticent to have a conversation uh <laughs> with two naysaying sorbet haters such as yourselves hmm. but honestly i've always loved sorbet i genuinely think it's incredible uh like lemon sorbet was my favorite dessert for a while. Look, of course, it's not as delicious as like a slice of chocolate cake, but it's like an easy, you know, weekly cheap dessert to have. And last year, this might not be my best story, but I'm, I'm we're going to get into it here. Last year, 
I was annoyed that you couldn't find lime sorbet anywhere because lemon sorbet is the most like ubiquitous thing. You can find it literally anywhere. Any nursing lime, home, anywhere any you nursing look. home has it. <laughs> but lime is an even better flavor and you can't find it. So I looked up the recipe online and I realized that sorbet is literally water, sugar, and juice. So all of a sudden I started making it at home. Uh, and it's just literally, I just like, you know, every like three or four, every couple of weeks, I'll like buy a bunch of grapefruits and I'll make grapefruit sorbet. I usually take the winter off, but like, and I've had some great, I've literally had like, I made blueberry sorbet recently and it was mind blowing. And last year at the end of the year, I made pear vanilla sorbet and it was incredible. So sometimes you really stumble upon these like amazing finds that are, are you uniquely using, delicious. Are you using real pears and then vanilla syrup? Uh, no, I bought vanilla beans, but like you can just, yeah, you would use vanilla extract for that. Vanilla extract, right. But it's so easy. And it's funny because like everyone, literally everyone I talked to about this, this is like sorbet is so stupid and boring. And you're like, like, I'll tell my friend Kate, who's a vegan. And I'm like, oh, you should like, maybe you and your daughter would like have fun making sorbet together. Cause and she's like, oh, I hate sorbet. She's like, I would never do that. And it's like, why? It's like vegan. It's delicious. It's good for the environment. It's great. It's, it's just it's there's something about a frozen and I mean I'm I know I'm in a well I'm not in a minority because I think most people want even if it's artificial want the ice cream um but yeah I Michael loves sorbet I I I don't get it to me I already don't really love cold 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 desserts like it's not usually something that I enjoy in the first place and I'm not a huge ice cream person to begin with but yeah the the sort of smashed up frozen fruit thing i'm just like just let it melt and have it be a smoothie like i don't understand <laughs> yeah what you're eating that's so enjoy and it's not dessert then to me it's like an it's like an after a workout moment situation you know what i mean it's like yeah I, I get that i get that there's a lot of candy that you're like if i just melted this this would be like just liquid a yeah. gross liquid thing but it's about the delivery like jolly rancher is good because you kind of it's it's sweet, you know, sweet and sharp, but sharp flavor. And like, if you melted it, it would, I feel like it would be disgusting. Me sort and like the, like, you know, the people who gave out raisins on Halloween, like those yeah. are like, those are the people who are just like, this isn't, this isn't Friday night ice cream moment. Get the shit away. Yeah. From yeah. The chip. Yeah. Sorbet is also a palate cleanser though, isn't it? I think, yeah, I think it was like 120 years ago at like fancy dinners, you would get like sorbet between like one of the 12 courses or something. Yeah, you would have. I feel like I've had sorbet as a palate cleanser and the times that I've had sorbet in a more upscale place, like it can be pretty remarkable. Uh, it's incredible. It's so tart and but sweet at the same time. It's like it's like purified flavors, if you ask me. What about how do you stand on where do you stand on sherbet? I'm not into sherbet. Not not a fan. Like, huh. I can get into a sherbet. Well, sherbet has dairy, right? That's, yeah, that's the difference. Or or an alternative dairy, like an almond thing or whatever. Like you need, it needs to be creamy. Like I, I grew, I, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I grew up with, with Italian ices, you know, like on Long Island, it's just in the tri-state area. Italian ices are everything, and there was there is this place called Ralph's Ices that is just. A tri-state area, uh, 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 you know, flagship or, or legend, basically. And the flagship was near where I grew up. And, you know, they have so many flavors, but they split it essentially down the middle where it's like, do you want a water ice, which is essentially a sorbet, or do you want a cream ice, which is, of course, 
mixed with dairy and is just some of the most incredible dessert yeah. you've ever had. You Bear in mind, they do like golden golden grams and gel rings and all these, you know, cannoli, all these super ostentatious flavors. We went to a, when Michael's sisters were here this past weekend, and we went to a, um, like a sorbet type place that I think both of you would actually love because Brent would love because of the sorbet situation. It's called Somi Somi. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Somi Somi. And it's, it's this, it's like just weird enough that Elliot would be into it. Like, it's like, there's like, they have weird flavors and yeah. And it's just weird. But Brent, you would love it because literally it is just frozen ice sorbet situation. Fruit. Sounds, sounds delicious. I just wrote that down. I, I would like to cap off this conversation with uh, a comment on a recipe on the New York Times. There's a recipe for lemon buttermilk sorbet, uh, which is absolutely delicious. But one of the comments reads from Phyllis, sherbet has dairy, sorbet doesn't. Please don't make dairy intolerant people sick. <laughs> what would your aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona say about something she heard on today's show? No one asked me my favorite breakfast, which is Frosted Flakes, until I heard the news about <laughs> Kellogg's. Uh, my aunt Joanne would say, "I'll uh, I'll try Brent sorbet if it's kosher." <laughs> I think it is. And Anne would say, "I heard that Kellogg started off with a a sexual component, so give him a Kellogg's." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love Anne Anne. Love yeah. Anne Anne. You imagine, imagine a senior citizen woman like in her seventies, but who still colors her hair brown, just 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 having a full on orgasm eating Kellogg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cornflakes was meant to be like to like curb masturbation, I think. Oh, well, she wouldn't. Yeah, like, she would not like. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It was designed to be like a, it was like a puritanical Christian thing on it with Anthony Hopkins. I think he played the Kellogg guy. Yeah, yeah. I never saw that movie. Oh, that's all. I mean, years ago for me. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Goodbye.